Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance, and you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He just finished his run as Tumble Brutus on the U.S. National Tour 6 of Cats, and he's currently a swing in Beetlejuice on Broadway. So welcome, Sean McManus, and thank you for joining me. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. I love um, having anybody that's doing, you know, you're now in Beetlejuice, but you've got a, your history with cats here. So let's start with the cat's history. Um, when was the first time you saw the show? What was your first experience like before you ended up on the tour? The first time I saw the show was uh, I saw the revival in 2017. I, I was a senior in high school and I was auditioning for musical theater programs at the time. So I remember I went and did my Marymount Manhattan audition and then just walked downtown a, like 30 blocks and then was like, I want to see a show. And so I met a couple of my high school friends and we went and saw the Cats revival and I loved it. The area. So you're able to go to Broadway to go see the revival in high school. Totally. I'm from Summit, New Jersey. I'm from like 20 miles west of the city. So I was, I, I was going in to see shows for as long as I can remember. Like first, of course, like with my parents who would come and bring me in to see whatever like the it show was back then. And then eventually I started like just going with friends or even going by myself. I love to see shows by myself too. Uh, now that I'm getting older. Um, so yeah, I'm really fortunate to live in an area that I have like super easy access to Broadway. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. That's that, as in New York, I can now have just like, Oh yeah, I could go see see something tomorrow. If I uh-huh. want to. Yeah. Um, so when did you see how, like, where were you in the revival? Was it early on? Was it later on? Like, was it like, basically who was your Grisabella? Was it Leona Lewis or Mamie? Uh, my Grisabella was Mamie. I, but yeah. Okay. So I think it was January of 2017. Does that sound right? It would have opened in, oh, I'm opened in 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that it, she would have taken over at some point in 2017. So that, that feels okay. right. Okay. Yeah. So what was your impression seeing the revival? So that's the first time you with like the 98 VHS or anything, or was this really the first time you've ever had any interaction with the show? 
I'm ashamed to say this kind of was my first interaction with it. Of course, I'd always heard of it. I had always seen glimpses of it. Um, so it was always like in my sight lines, but this was my first like full blown experience with the, with the production. So I was mesmerized, honestly, like I'd never even listened to the cast recording to bottom before. So I, and I of course like love Andy Blinkenbuehler. So that was another big contribution to me wanting to see it. So I was just like, so in awe. I, I love a lot of the actors that were in that production also like Ricky Ubeda and Eloise Kropp, Mamie, of course, um, Jess Leprado, uh, Zach Jones, who I went to school with. All of these people are just amazing artists. And to see them get to show like those dance skills in such a dynamic way was like so thrilling. Yeah, it's an incredible cast and it's it's so fun. Uh, I also love that it's like, you know, high school age, you just go to the city with some friends and just see something kind of almost at random, it feels like, and it's cats. So mm-hmm. I'm curious now to hear, how did your friends feel about it? They just laughed. <laughs> they, okay. Like they, they, I think they loved it, don't get me wrong, but they really leaned into the absurdity of it and instead of going the philosophical route they were just laughing at like what's going on like we love what's happening but also we don't quite get it um because they were similar to me in that they hadn't had much experience with the show either so they went in thinking like okay well i guess i'm going to see cats because it's one of those shows that's been around for decades and decades so but they loved it they were they were theater kids too we were all in the drama program together mm-hmm. and while i was the only one that was planning to pursue it beyond high school they were they were definitely interested and passionate about it yeah that helps because you know your your fans you kind of appreciate the full art of it just the tourist version mm-hmm. the, you know myself version who doesn't really sure what you're going to see right so right. that is that does kind of make some sense um when you saw it did you ever think oh i'm gonna be in this one day i didn't think i'm going to be but i thought oh i would love to be and who did you want to be first like when you saw it, did you did you pinpoint a character you're like oh that's my role Mungo, I think, was the one because I also saw Jess Leprado in Newsies and I'm obsessed with him. So I was like, oh, that would be so fun. But then I saw Colton Cross as I didn't know his name was Tumble Brutus because, like I said, I wasn't that familiar with the show. So when I saw all of the tricks he was doing, I was like, wait, I can do that. That was like the mic in a chorus line moment. I was like, I can do that. And I want to do that. So I didn't think, oh, like uh, this is going to be my first big job. But I did think, oh, my God, how cool would it be to get to do this? Like I can do everything that they're doing on stage. This would be amazing. That's awesome. And then you do land it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your character, because I think Tumble Brutus, like you said, is not a name that everyone notices. I think it's a cat that is the plot line is super loose with the plot line is the whole show, but it's really loose with Tumble Brutus. And even when I start reading like the fan theories, there's it's light. It's like very strange what's out there. So, um, but the character does so much. You do a heft, like amount of lifting and tumbling and everything that goes into it. I want to hear a little bit about what you were told about Tumble Brutus's backstory. Cause pretty much the only assumptions that were given is that he's young. Um, and then here are the other, well, I can give you the other theories that were that were thrown out there. One is that he was an ex-member of McCavity's crew, okay. um, that your owner is a gymnast, 
and then that you're an Aries. That is like all I could find over this. Um, the latter two, definitely, I think so. The McCavity clan part, I could see that, but I actually think my theory on is, and this is supplemented by what Chrissy Cartwright told us during the rehearsal process, is that similar to Alonzo, but a much, much younger version, he has the, I just can't wait to be king complex. Because I okay. think, so he's a part of like the kitten trio, as they call it. And in, in the Bling and Mueller version, that's like Pounceable, Tum Syllabub, right? So it's like, it's the idea is that mm -hmm. the three of us are the youngest kittens and we're learning everything. I, I kind of took that responsibility on because I was the oldest of the three of us in that group is I was like the kitten that acted like he was so much older, even though he w very much was naive and was sort of in the background, but had this like macho-ness about him because three of the adjectives I remember Chrissy used to describe was he was buoyant, tough, and touchy. Those were his three big adjectives. And so the touchy, yeah, I get it because like he is still growing up and like it gets scared like anybody else, but he's tough in that like he sees Monkestrap and Alonzo leading by example. And I think he wants to be them so bad. So I think it's the young Simba looking up to his father kind of mm. thing. Like that's what I think about Tumble Brutus. I like that. I, I can tell you where I think the rumor comes from is I believe in other productions, Tumble also plays one of the cats in the, um, the Gus, uh, what's it called? His, the pirate piece, like in the Growl Tiger's Last Stand which I don't think is in your version. Like that's cut from the version you did. And so I think that that's where that rumor comes from mm -hmm. is because you're part of Growl Tiger's potential henchmen, that that's the McCavity tie. Um, but I, I love the, so buoyant is kind of an interesting, that's not what I would have thought. It's interesting. That's one of the three adjectives is buoyant. Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, how is that explained to you? Like, what does that one really mean? It, it ha it's twofold, right? I think number one in the literal sense and that he is the gymnast cat. So he's buoyant in that he's flying through the air doing a lot of these tricks. I, I remember watching, because I was a gym before I became a performer and I would always watch NBC Olympic Terry sort of about gymnastics. And they would always describe really great landings as like, oh my God, look at her. She's like a cat in the air. And then I would rewatch yeah. those as after I booked the job and I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. But also buoyant in that he's not tied down. Like he's very inquisitive and curious as a lot of younger kittens are, right? Like, so he's always like looking around. He doesn't have that grounded maturity about him that the older cats do. And while he would like to have that, he doesn't relate to it. So I, it's, I think it's twofold in that way. Interesting. Uh, this is one as I've kind of prepped for. I, it's just like the amount of Tumble Brutus knowledge I have is really limited because it's it is being the kitten. It's not one that you argue for a lot for the heavy side layer. No, it's, it's not. No. You know, it's like not even a, a an option. Um, but also, it's like the the role is such a dance part that because singing part or as much of a singing part, there's not as much character background. So, right. what else did Chrissy tell you? She. She wanted me to lean more into the naivete and the immaturity in, in this version because Tumble Brutus also doubled as Bill Bailey in other versions. But in mm -hmm. our version that we did, Rum Tum Tugger 
was Benning number. So Bill Brutus throughout. Um, and she she made a, a thing of saying like he has this talent of being able to like show off and like and do these skills and he's not afraid. So like there's a section where he flips him over, like literally as like a front somersault through the air when he's trying to protect him from McCavin. And I remember a fan came up to me like, I don't know, I don't get why they choreographed that. Like it's a, just a little kitten trying to go after the the villain, the big evil guy. And I was like, no, I think that makes perfect sense. You always have somebody that gets written off because of their age. And Chrissy said, it's all from a place of like no fear. Um, contrary to what people will see in the first couple acts when all these adult kitten cats are introduced and the kittens are literally on the sidelines and the adult cats refer to like, okay, this is who this is. And everybody has to know. I actually think Tom O'Brien is like, no, I know I'm inquisitive. I get it. And syllabub and pounds are just sitting there like, uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Tom was like, oh my God. Yes, I get it. I just want to like be a part of you now. I love it. I, I, it really does. Like everything you just said really makes your Simba parallel, like the young Simba really in line mm -hmm. because a lot of the like, Oh, okay. I can, I can growl and I can fight and I can do all this stuff, but you're, you're the, the small underdog kind of in that moment yeah. and much younger. So what is the, as you were doing, you know, preparing for this, you have one of the most physical, extremely dimber, all the tumbling. What was the one that was the hardest to, to like master? Jellical ball. Because Just the whole thing. Yeah. Would you rather me talk about a specific part in the jellical ball? I, well, I'd actually love to hear both because I think the ball is so interesting because 11, 12, 13 minutes of just straight, like it's, it's a physical feat to do it every night I can only imagine. But I, I am curious too, if, if there was like one particular like pass or tumble, like you said, you flipped with McCavity, like that was like very difficult one particular to, to learn as well. Sure. I think it's the danger section where we do like an HP and then we look and then we do the jetés uh, crossing through each other. And then tumble Brutus does a tumbling pass into that and then literally right out of a tumbling pass, I go into the rest of the dance section and I have to run off. I have five counts to gather myself and then just go. So that was extremely difficult because number one, like every time I've tumbled in a show before, you're able to like met, like prepare and like have some space to get into the mind. Okay, I'm going upside down and I'll be good to go not with this show at all. And it wasn't that I was physically ready to do it because at that point we've been dancing for almost an hour. It's just that my body is now accustomed to just doing the balletic movements. And now I have to use a completely different section of my physique in order to accomplish the tumbling. And then I have to switch right back to it on stage. So that was the trickiest part because then I literally had to do four toe touches consecutively after that. And I was like, this, this like, and it's only, this all happens in like 24 counts of music. So I was like, How, wow. this is insane. Like, like that is, I, I, and here's the thing. Like, I know people can definitely do it, but every night I would still have to think about it. Like if I, if I got complacent about that moment, I would like get injured. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fascinating to hear because it is like a little bit of like grace and power back to back switching between those two, which is I'm sure not easy. I mean, that's the thing that for me as someone who 
was, you know, played sports, but never did any of this stuff as I watch all the things that are happening going like that looks insanely difficult. And I can't even imagine. I never thought about the piece of out just the tumbling pass looks difficult, let alone to be able to finish that and back into almost an entirely different style. Right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back from the wrong cat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Crazy. Wow. Um, okay, I want to switch gears. I, I do, like, that is that is so interesting and, and fascinating. But I want to talk a little bit about Beetlejuice, because I know that as, while we're recording, that is the show. I know you made your Broadway debut there, so congratulations. Um, I want to look at the Beetlejuice cast and the Cats cast and figure out who would play who. Oh, awesome. That's one of my favorite okay. things to do. Yeah. So I want to go through. Now, I will preface that uh, at the time of this recording, I've seen the movie. I've not been able to see the show. I'm very excited to go see the show. I will be seeing it soon. Um, but we're going to go. So I'm basing mine off of the the movie a long time ago. Um, but you'll have helped me fill in the blanks. So we'll go through a couple characters and then which cat is their, you know, fits their persona. So um, let's start with the obvious. Let's start with Beetlejuice. Rum Tum Tugger, I think. Ooh, Tugger. Okay, so give me a reason. Um, it just the the oh i'm too cool for school everyone loves me i'm allowed to be raunchy and everyone's looking around me like either rolling their eyes or they're obsessed with me so i that's the initial instinct i have did you have a different thought i like it i, I went a different route i went grizabella okay um, yeah. part of it is you know like main character ish but i think the reason i wrote down is is that Beetlejuice, like the premise of Beetlejuice is that he's not visible until you call out to him multiple times. You know, right? I love that. And Grizabella is not visible until she gets reaccepted back into the tribe. There, yeah, okay, I get that. I also would think Lydia a little bit has some Grizz in her because she mm. talks directly also about being invisible and alive at the same time. Like Beetlejuice is 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 dead and is like invisible in that way and is begging for that. Lydia is literally a dead girl walking is how she like sort of describes yeah. herself. So that's why, and I think Grizz embodies a lot of that too. So I think that's where I went with that. But I, I love the argument for Beetlejuice as Grizz as well. So let's go. So you're good with Lydia. Are you going to say Grizabella is kind of your answer? To that? Yeah, I think so. How about for you? I went Victoria and okay. it it's a little bit because younger um a little bit of the like narrator almost which in the movie the 2019 movie was the the route they took um but i also kind of building off what you're saying your castmate from the tour um isla mentioned that she thought victoria was last year's choice so i think oh. almost it was like a little bit tying that together of 
that it would be there. But I, I mostly for me, it was just younger and narrator ish is how I picked Victoria. Sure. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's do Adam and Barbara. I, I have them together because I think they're kind of together as, you know, like as a couple. Mm-hmm. Who do you have there? Huh. Kind of a Gus and Jelly Lorem, I feel like. Oh, that's really good. I hadn't thought about that. So that's the same kind of like they're, I mean, I guess Gus and Jelly Lorem aren't really a couple, but they really are paired together. They're kind of a big piece together. They're old school and neurotic, just like Adam and Barbara are kind of. And yeah, and I don't know. I mean, and Jelly embodies Barbara and Barbara's very soothing and like has to calm Adam down a lot. And Jelly gives that to Gus. Um, what's, What's your thought on that? So mine, I know, has some flaws in it, but I have them as Mungo Jerry and Ripple Teaser. Okay. Even though I think they're brother sister in the, you know, it's more common to be brother sister than is married. But I think the one thing that I thought is, is that you can see, at least in the movie again, Adam and Barbara like project their insecurities on others by being different than who they are. And that's kind of the way I looked at the Mungo Jerry and Ripple Teaser being thieves. It's like they're almost a little bit of rascals just projecting their own insecurities because they have everything kind of made. Yeah. Okay. And so it's like a little bit of of that kind of kind of angle. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Okay, let's do one more. Let's do Charles. Uh, uh, can I can I have two like between two? I actually have two written down too, so I'm curious if we have the same two. Um, Monkus strap. Or hmm, maybe I'll just say Monkus Trap. Just Monkus Trap. Okay. What's the? Give me the rationale. So it's it's like okay, like this is how things are gonna be. This is like keep maintaining the order and the serenity a little bit. And I feel like he is like the center of the family, sort of like Charles is trying to be, and he can't let his emotions interfere with like what needs to be accomplished. Like there's the whole argument between him and Lydia, like you never bring her up. And that's because he's like, because I'm just trying to move on. Like we have to, like, it's all about diligence and like getting the job done. And I feel like Monk mm. also doesn't play into that kind of like emotional thinking. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I, I actually had two different, but I took it from a different angle, which is that he's kind of a described as kind of a rich old guy who's now on second wife. And so in that vein only, I had Buster for Jones or Old Deuteronomy. Okay. Because Old Deuteronomy has had I like endless lives. And, but I think your monkish chat makes more sense. No, but I like the old dude, especially like with the, I am tempted to say 99. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. 99 wives. Yeah. Um, who else is, is there anybody else I'm missing that you think that there's like just a great parallel for? I think so. Delia, the stepmom, Catherine O'Hara played her in the movie and Leslie Kritzer plays her mm-hmm. on Broadway. She's amazing. Um, Hilarious. Okay, I think she's a combination of Bomb and Jenny Annie Dots. I did write her down as Jenny Annie Dots, but give me the combination. Like, where's the Bomb piece of it? Sure. So, and I think this plays into the comedy. So, like, I I first thought of her as Jenny. Then I had a little bit of thinking. So, Delia is the way she is staged in the Broadway show. So, I should say that. Like, this is different the way she's played in the Broadway show, where she's like this life coach and has this guru, whatever. She has this sexy confidence about her but then somebody like calls her out on it and then she stumbles and then she like just sits around and is like Mm. so she thinks she's bomb but she's jenny and that's why that character in the stage production is so funny to me yeah no i think that and leslie is 
incredible. So I'm very excited for to, to see her do that. Um, that's so interesting. I mean, you just described bomb, you know, like that is a perfect description of combining the two. Um, that is fun. I, I like it. Um, anybody else? I think those are those are the ones I wrote, wrote down. I don't know if there's anybody else that I'm, I'm missing from at least main characters. Um, no, yeah, I think we got pretty much everybody. And it's so I've never thought about that. Like, that's such a that's such a cool uh, thing to like experiment or to navigate. It's fun because there's so many character, like the way that it's written is there's a character in a lot of ways. Like there's personality traits. That's why you have the three adjectives and everything for so many different people that I've now done this with Star Wars, the Kardashians, a couple other versions, like other shows. Um, we did it with Hello Dolly. It's just like you can kind of do it with almost any scenario because, again, there's just too many. There's almost like a personality type for everybody right. in cats. And right. so it's really fun to think about it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about your TikTok (laughs) because I know that there is one of your most viewed is you doing Cats and Cardi B. Uh, How did you start this? I mean, you have like, I follow you. I mean, I'm not a huge TikTok user. I'm like slowly trying to figure out how to make it work. But you've built this like humongous following, have incredibly funny content on there. Some of it Cats, some of it Patti LuPone and Jennifer Coolidge and all kinds of other impressions. Like how did you decide to, you know, to tackle this and and what's that experience been like for you? It's been an awesome experience and an unexpected one. And those are kind of like the best, right? Cause I always used to just do voices and impressions like in front of my friends and family. And then one day I, I had COVID in 2021 and was like just bored out of my mind. And I was watching Schitt's Creek like over again for the second time. And I, I think Sour had just come out, Olivia Rodrigo's album. And, yeah. and I thought it would be funny to match Moira Rose's voice with driver's license. So then I just like started my TikTok and was like, oh, I got my driver's license last work, like stuff like that. And, um, and then that one like blew up. And so I just kind of kept doing it. But the, the Cardi B one, it was like the eighth show of the week, right? And like, as you've talked about, Mike, like, cats is so draining like and not in a bad way it's just so physically taxing right and emotionally yeah. Oh, yeah. so i one day just to like keep myself like from going crazy which i guess i was already going crazy to have this concept but i just thought of like if monka strap came up like for the opening line and instead of being like are you blind when you're born like what if he literally just came up and was like ew <laughs> like I don't know. Like I just said it in the dressing room and then my roommate Vinny was who played Alonzo was like, Oh my God, go, go film. And I was like, okay. That is incredible. So simple. It was so funny. Um, It took me a little off guard because I was, you know, scrolling through some of your stuff and I was like, wait, why are you like, this one is particular has a million plus views. Um, And it's just like, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know where you were going. It just said Cardi B and I was, I was dying. Um, Same with Patty Lapone. You have a lot of Patty Lapone content on there. I love her. I'm just obsessed. Amazing. Um, what, like, where do you see that going? Like, do you still follow, like, do you, how do you come up with the stuff? Like, is it now just kind of ad hoc of whatever you're thinking about? Or do you think through like, okay, this would be really good. Like, how does that work now at a, at the level you're at? Like you have a following, like, where does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of both of the things that you mentioned. I, I, 
a lot of new music comes out and I think, oh, it would just be really funny to like put a different person or character's voice on those songs. I also think it's funny to like put them in pop culture situations, which I do sometimes, um, or like real world events, just because I think it just brings some levity to certain situations. And I, you know, I try, like, that's my big goal is like, is it just even if it helps one person forget about a lot of the turmoil in the world for half a second, that's great. I, I mean, truth be told, I've always wanted to do Forbidden Broadway. Like I, I saw that when I was like younger and I love those kinds of shows. And I know it's obviously not a thing anymore, but if that ever gets revived, call me. I, I will definitely try to do it. Um, and I also, I watched SNL growing up religiously and I've had this like pipe dream of like guest hosting SNL one day. So I, and on there I could like do impressions or sketch or whatever. Cause I do have some improv experience as well. So, I mean, that's kind of like far reaching and like down the line, but I mean, you never know. I, I never even thought in a million years, the TikTok thing would be happening. So if that can happen, who knows where it can go. Yeah. When did you realize you were good at impressions? Cause I mean, you've, you've got, a, I mean, a wide range too that you do. Um, I mean, I was always just like annoying my friends and family, like making up voices and stuff. <laughs> so like ever since, <laughs> so like for as far as I can remember, but actually my first memory to answer your question is like in 2008, when, uh, the election was happening and Sarah Palin came on the scene, I remember watching a lot of like the gaff compilations on, on YouTube or whatever. Um, and I, so I would memorize Sarah Palin's speeches or interviews on TV and then say it, recite it back to my family members. And that's how I learned to do impressions. Like I would just watch the video wow. over and over again and would recite it. So she'd be like, uh, Alaska has a very near a maritime border between a foreign country, Russia and Putin. Where's is that? Where do they go? It's Alaska. Like I, re I can literally recite it still to this day. <laughs> so that's how, that, that's how I learned is like, and then I like would watch Tina Fey do Sarah Palin on SNL. And like, that's how I learned. One of the only good things coming from Sarah Palin here is your, your keen for impressions. <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah, she is, she helped me in my career. So that is a, that is a, that is awesome. Um, okay, let's move to the rapid fire. I want to just do a couple a couple things about the show, and then we'll talk about the million dollar question. So, okay. first one is um, I know you got to you know you were Tumble Bruce. I know you also uh, covered a couple cats, but if you could play anybody in the show, forget if it's male, female, vocal range, dance number, just if you could just go on one day and magically have all the powers, which cat would you want to do one time? Demeter. Demeter, well, give me give me a little bit more there. Why? I love Macavity, the number, and like playing it a little bit neurotically, and like there's a lot of mystery and angst around her, and exploring like her background with Macavity and like her her relationship with Monkestrap, I think is so fascinating. And she just has such great moves. Like she gets to do like a lot of the ball parts with Bomb and. Um, and I love uh, when she sings um, uh, Grizabella the Glamour Cat, like when, uh, or Remark, I guess, whatever, whatever it is. She, uh, after Grizabella's first entrance and then Bomb and Demeter approach her, I uh, I love that moment in that show. So I would, I would say Demeter for those reasons. Love it. Explore the dark past of Demeter. I think that's, that's one of the parts of the show that I did not realize was as dark as the show is. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Not cast members or characters, <laughs> but just like 
cats? My favorite cats are Rumble Teaser, Jelly Lorem, uh, Mistopheles, and Tumble Brutus, because I'm biased. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. What about least favorite? Least favorite? Bustifer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of, I, I get that one. That one, it makes sense. It's kind of a pompous yeah type of cat. yeah yeah i kind of respect i kind of respect his hustle a little bit i do but, too no um, I, I respect I him it's just he's not my favorite you know yeah what is your favorite song or uh, you said moment but favorite song from a show favorite song opening number because it's so quintessential yeah. cats and it's just like what everybody knows and yeah. uh i love it yeah i i think there, there's a lot of good answers to that and i think what's fun about it is that my my answers changed uh, like as i've done this more yeah where there's moments where I'm like, it's definitely this song. And then it's like, no, nah, it's this song right now. So I love how much is like the music is great. Um, since you're a TikTok star, which cat would be the best TikTok influencer? Rum Tum Tugger. Tugger. So I've thought a lot about this because I think there's a lot of answers to this. Now. Okay. I do think Tugger, I do think Tugger is, is a great answer. I think Victoria would be a little dancing influencer. Oh, for sure. I think same with Bob. Yep. I, I think the sleeper answer, though, is I think Bust for Jones has a cooking channel. Oh, my God. That is a yes. That's good. Like I could see him just sitting up there frying food in his mansion. Like that's the niche one where he's got like a big following, but, it, you know, catering to a little bit less Gen Z crowd than normal. Yes. Oh, I love that answer. OK. Um, OK. The million dollar question. My entire show in thesis is, is that I don't think Grisabella is the right jellical choice. So I would want to hear from you. Do you agree with that and you want to defend somebody else or do you want to defend Grisabella for the jellical choice? I think I want to defend her with the understanding, okay. with the understanding that a lot of other people deserve it, too. OK, so then I want to ask you this question. How does old Deuteronomy make the choice? If he's got, in, in, to your point, multiple people are deserving. What is his criteria? Like, how does he make her more deserving than the other deserving people? I think it's, I think it, the criteria has to be, I, I always think about the Nanny McPhee reference, uh, the Nanny McPhee reference, which I know, hear me out, I know this sounds weird, but it's also British in that way. So I think it has a little bit of like correlation so Nanny McPhee says, if you if you need me but don't want me, then I have to stay. If you want me but don't but don't longer need me, then I have to go. And I think mm. it's that a little bit, in that they finally accepted her, and that's all that it took to make her go. That was his lesson, the criteria to teach everyone, and she was a vehicle for that decision. Interesting. I have not heard that argument. So I like that. Um, I think that's really interesting. So I was like, now that she's reaccepted, it's time. Right. So you don't think based off of that, she doesn't need her another year being back with the family. That That's what I think. Like, and they, like, they don't need to learn any more from her. Their lesson from her is done. I think there's more to learn from some of the other cats. I really do. So I think, I think that mm. expression is a good way of thinking about it. Like they didn't want her, so they needed her. Then they wanted her back and they didn't, and they, and they might've needed her, but she had to go. That might be one of the best arguments I've heard for her. Because okay. I'm having trouble arguing against it. 
which is which is not which is not usually the case. Usually I'm like, nah, that's not right. Um, I kind of like that. That is an interesting piece. That's like the lesson was learned. So let me ask a couple other questions about that then. She comes back halfway through the ball, uh-huh. right? So it's like you're not expecting her. Who's old Deuteronomy picking if she doesn't show back up this year? That's a good question. Hmm. Maybe, maybe Skimble or Jenny. Okay. What do you the, think? The, the most common answer that I've heard is Skimble. Okay. I still think the most the most common argument is for Gus. Yeah. So Gus yeah. is the he's worthy, ready, needs it, old, um, might not make it another year. Skimble, I think, is the other. You know, it's basically any of the older cats. So it's, right. it's Skimble, Jenny, um, Gus. Who else am I missing? Um, so yeah, I think those are the three kind of like most key ones because you're not going to argue for McCavity most most likely. Right, um, right. Okay. So you have Skimble or Jenny. So then again, like if that's the criteria, are you always going to have a lesson every year? Like, is that always going to come up? I think there can. I think there's one that always can be found. Um, I think here's what I'll say. I think in the case of Grizabella, I think the choice is actually very easy as soon as she sings memory because he realizes the mantra that I just explained. Mm -hmm. So I think it varies depending on the year. Um, I know that's kind of like not answering your question directly, but that is how I feel. Like, I think he's actually smart enough to be like, I think the criteria changes because the, the characters themselves evolve as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's that's totally fair. I think that's what makes this kind of a fun thing to argue about is because we only get one example and we don't have the year before, the year after, or any other version. So you don't know the criteria if it changes every year. And then it's like, how come this was that choice then this year? Like, I, I think your argument is very sound and the, like the mantra of like there's, it's the redemption story, but also the, I've learned what I can from her and now it's time to go. Um, but I struggle with that also in the sense of, of that, I'm not going to learn a lesson every year, most likely. So if I'm picking like what is next year, and and this is where this this cult gets a little confusing for me in general. Is like if you're making a sacrifice every year, and you're going to have a different competition every year, there should be some better guidelines, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Interesting. I I love it. I, I I don't have a ton to argue against it. I've not heard that argument. Um, I've heard variations of the, you know, like of the why she's worthy, but not the that she's truly done what she needs to do. They've learned what they can, and that lesson is over. Yeah. Do you I appreciate you letting me do that? McPhee. I appreciate you letting me bring that in. Yeah. yeah. Did Did you come up with that? Was that something that you thought through, or is that something that was told to you? Oh no, I thought I've yeah. always thought that because um, I, I that movie resonates with me a ton, and because the inception of Nanny McPhee was around the same time as Cats. The musical, not necessarily like obviously the the book, but I think mm-hmm. I, that's why I actually do see a similarity. So you think that that inf- influence each other? Yeah, I really do. Wow, I wonder if we can get an answer on that. Um, that's that's fun. That's a fact I hadn't thought about. Um, that is that's why we're here. That's why we're eighty plus episodes into this, where right. we can learn something new and uncover different things and see if there was an influence there. Um, that is that's a that's a good argument. Fascinating way to think about it. So. Uh, I'm always for anything that's new and thoughtful and thinking about things from a different angle, which is which is what's the beauty of the show is, is that there's not one answer to this. There is no well, I guess there's a correct answer if you ask Chrissy or or Andrew Lidwell right, or you right. know, somebody who could give you the, the correct answer. But there is a lot of 
uh, ambiguity. For sure. And believe me, I, I do. I will never say that I am like superior to any of those people you just mentioned. But I, I, I love like even the concept of your podcast and that it because it leaves room for interpretation, we should have an informed way of thinking about it. We should like take the opportunity to explore like, huh, is this sound like are we supposed to defend this premise or are we supposed to like figure out our own ending, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what I, I do love about the show um, as something that bothers me at the same time as someone who likes neat and tidy storylines, which you don't get. I do think I kind of like the, it has an ending, but it leaves a lot open. Um, and there are some of those, like, you know, you finish a book and it doesn't truly finish. You've got like, you know, a very open world to continue into. That's the way Cats feels. It's like, we don't know next year's ball. We don't really know anything else that happens after besides this one night we get a glimpse into. And there is some cool parts to that because of that. And the fact that's run for 41 years means that we have just a lot of variations to pull from. And because of that, that's like I was even saying in the beginning here, I don't have a lot on Tumble Brutus because there's the the rumor mill is is different because it's like it's it depends on where you look. Is it McCavity's henchman or not? It depends on how that was staged and which production was staged and if you are covering for Bill Bailey or not, you know, things like that. So I find that part really fascinating about this because it could mean a lot of different things depending on how you interpret it. Yeah. I also think Western culture has this obsession with second chance. Um, I think actually even like in America specifically, we're obsessed with multiple chances where, and we like the third, the fourth, the fifth, and not learning from things the first time. And I, and that's why it, it gets in our heads so much. And, and, and I love that, that the musical explores that idea. And my other, my other one point that I want to touch on what you just said is that Tumble Brutus is, yeah, sometimes overlooked because it's like obviously not one of the original characters, whatever. But what I will say is that this is just one night that these people have like been brought up. This is one year. And I don't think it's necessarily right to write any of them off because the very next year, if you, we were to do a play about like, if, if this version hadn't been it and like the next version, he could already be so much more mature and he already has this great skill set. Mm -hmm. So when people say, oh yeah, but it's like the tumbling one, this and that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think we should discredit people, even the youngest ones. And I think that's what Syllabub teaches us also. Yeah, I so I am very much in favor of that. And I think that's why I did make arguments for a lot of even the kittens of why I thought they were more worthy still than Grisabella. Uh, because I do think there's... Yeah, to your point, like you got another year. We don't know what the what a year means in that in this space. Like again, we get one night, and so a year could be you know how dog years, cat years. Like how many years is that actually? Like you could truly be the next choice for a lot of reasons. I've tried to write cats too a couple times. I have some thoughts on it, but yeah, I have not gotten there yet. Yeah. So, um, this have been super fun. I would love for, how can we stay in touch with you? Tell everyone your social media, your TikTok. how can people, you know, come, come see you and Beetlejuice and everything else. Sure. Uh, my Instagram is S McManus three. My TikTok is at Shawnee underscore Mac. And that's where I have all my shenanigans about like Beetlejuice cats. Uh, that's kind of like my centralized social media. So people can see me there. They, I also have a website, uh, um, And 
if you don't want to see any of the digital ones, but you want to see Beetlejuice, uh, it's playing at the Marquee Theater at the Marriott Marquee between 45th and 46th Street. Awesome. We will link all of that so we can have everything for when people take a look. Um, thank you again for being an amazing guest. I really appreciate the time today. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. I love this kind of conversation. Amazing. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Citro, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.